Hey, I'm Sarah. You may also know me from the Mom Hour podcast. Normally, I'm here with my co-host, my 13-year-old daughter, Allegra, but this week, Allegra is biking in the mountains on a school trip, so today it's just me. On this show, we talk about the books, shows, podcasts, and music that our family enjoys together, plus how we discover great media for kids and how we consume it. We also talk about other fun stuff like board games, tablet games, and movies. Today's episode is about family meetings and how our family's decisions and routines about media use get made. Okay, everyone, let's get started. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 33 of Kid Literate. It's a little strange to be here without my co-host today, but as I said in the intro, she is off having an incredible trip in the mountains. Um, So well-deserved, as those of you with older kids and younger teens know, just to be getting out for some independence and back to a little bit of normal. So I am on my own today. And we have a little bit of a different topic, but I think it ties back to media use and we're going into summer right now. So as I was thinking about our family's summer routines around reading and movie watching and video game playing and all of our media use, I kept coming back to the way we make those decisions and then kind of tweak them or troubleshoot them and roll them out in our family. And it all kept coming back to family meetings. So today I'm going to walk you through how and why we do family meetings in our family and like what the agenda structure is and how something like summer media use might work as an agenda item. Now, if you're listening with little kids, you might think that family meetings sound like a big thing to take on. So just to reassure you, we didn't start doing regular family meetings until our youngest child was of, mm, I'm going to say, sit still and know how to read age. So six or seven. So when you've still got babies and toddlers underfoot, this is probably, I'm not going to say an impossible task, but definitely a daunting one. So you can just think ahead to how this might work in your family in years to come. Okay, before I dive in, I want to let everybody know that our partners at Studio have a special offer right now for listeners of podcasts across our Life Listen family of shows. That's Kid Literate, The Mom Hour, and Mother of Reinvention. Studio makes my favorite wireless Bluetooth earbuds that I have worn for years, and they keep coming out with new models that are even better than the ones before. These days, I'm wearing the ET model, that's E-T-T, and here are a few things I love about them. One, the distance I can walk away from my phone while still staying connected via Bluetooth is amazing. So we have this long ranch-style home, and I can be tidying or hauling laundry and leave my phone in the kitchen while my ears are still happily listening away to a podcast as I walk to the other end of the house. The Et style also comes with seven different soft silicone ear tip styles to choose from. That's the little part that actually nestles in your ear, so you can find what feels best. There is nothing worse than earphones that are uncomfortable or like fall out because they're not kind of perfectly softly and snugly in there. And friends, these earbuds are noise canceling, but in a really smart way. So you can switch back and forth between noise canceling or not, depending on whether you need to, you know, keep an ear out for what's happening in the next room. The Studio Et model is now available for their lowest price ever at $129. And if you use our 15% discount code, that'll bring it down to $110. When you purchase the Et, you'll also get the option to pick up their wireless charger for 50% off. All of Studio's styles are sleek and modern looking with incredible package design and attention to detail. They also come in really fun colors. These would make a great Father's Day gift too. I just gave Brian a pair of the dark green Et style earphones and he's very happy. To get 15% off your purchase, visit studio.com and use the code podcast at checkout. Again, it's studio, like studio, but without the T. So S-U-D-I-O.com and the code is podcast for 15% off. 
Okay, so we're talking about family meetings, and this is normally a podcast about books and shows and watching TV and movies as a family. So it's a little bit of a stretch here, but I do think it connects. So as I said, I was thinking about summer, which involves a lot of planning and also a pretty big shift in routines, including routines around screen time and reading and media use and all of that. So I just thought this might be a fun peek into how our family does family meetings because the family meeting is where a lot of those decisions and planning and scheduling and even the rollout of those routines would be unveiled and discussed and, you know, argued about and and all of that. So here we go. First, what is a family meeting in our house? Well, it is an all-family sit-down meeting to discuss basically the business of our family, which most weeks is kind of around schedules and chores, but we do like to keep it fun. Family meetings usually last about, I would say, 20 to 30 minutes. They can be a lot shorter if they need to be, and I'll get into how we kind of accommodate the mood of the family um, and the ages and all of that in a little bit. But um, basically, we're sitting around our dining room table. We might be outside. We've done some family meetings on the go, but it is exactly as you picture. It's the five of us sitting down with a little agenda in front of us to discuss a bunch of things. So I mentioned this earlier, but we didn't start family meetings until Violet, who's our youngest, was about six or seven. And even then, we didn't really like dive in in earnest until probably seven and a half. Um, And the biggest reason for that, obviously, attention span and being able to sit still, um, but also things like being able to read and write and understand um, a calendar and thinking about the week ahead and planning. Those are skills that really get honed in the classroom if you have kids in traditional school. So um, class meetings are pretty common and kindergarten and first graders get really accustomed to doing like the calendar, the schedule at the beginning of the day. They get used to looking up at the board to see, you know, what specials they have that day. So by seven, seven and a half, um, Violet was really ready to engage in a short family meeting. I don't think I would have attempted this with younger kids, but depending on the age spread, um, if you have a bunch of older kids who are ready and then one one little caboose, I could see this working with some modifications. We do our family meetings on Sunday afternoons. We have a set standing time of two o'clock, but that can easily move around um, if something gets on the schedule. And I'll also say that we've really kind of refined this practice during the pandemic when life wasn't as busy. And that was a little bit of a gift because we didn't have, you know, playdates and sports games competing with that Sunday afternoon spot. Now that it's a really built-in part of our weekend rhythm, I'm definitely going to continue it. Um, but I can see how it would take a little more effort to work it in if you have a busy weekend schedule. So how we structure our family meetings, um, there is a printed Word document agenda that I have saved on my computer. It's not fancy looking. Maybe someday I'll turn it into a cute printable. Um, but I I kind of keep it going week to week and just update it. And it has some of the main sections that I'll go through here. But basically on my own time on a Sunday morning, I will fill out the agenda, kind of populate it with the different high level things we're going to discuss and then print it for everyone. So I'll kind of go through like the main sections of that agenda now. And these don't really change week to week, although I will say I'll be quick to drop one out if I think we need a shorter meeting or we don't have enough to discuss. So the first item on the agenda is the week in review, where we kind of reflect on the week that has passed. And for this, I chose a structure that I got from Violet's first grade teacher, whom I loved. And in their class meetings at the end of the day, they used to do something called aha, appreciation, and apologies. Or maybe it was in a different order. Appreciations, apologies, ahas. 
but it's an opportunity for the kids to share something they learned. That would be an aha, um, an appreciation, which would be sharing something they appreciate about someone else. And then an apology, a chance to offer an apology for something that had happened that day. In the first grade classroom, this was a, an end of day check-in. But for us, we're looking back at the week. I don't make this mandatory at all. In fact, usually Brian and I are kind of modeling this process. But even if only the parents contribute an aha, an appreciation, or an apology, um, I, I like the way that it invites us to look back at the past week. Um, and the kids will chime in once in a while. So again, it's not forced. And even for Brian and I, we don't always have all three of those, but it just gives a little structure to the process of reflecting on the past week. And I just like the balance of those three things. Um, we don't require apologies in our family ever for anything, but it's amazing how after a little bit of space and time and reflection, sometimes some apologies come out later. So the week in review, the aha appreciation and apology might take two minutes. It's not a big deal, but it, it kind of brings us together to look back before we start to look forward. Um, and the next thing we do is just look at the week upcoming. And I would have written this um, into the agenda. But basically, we just look at anything that's unusual coming up in the schedule. We don't go day by day of everyone's activities and what everyone's got going on. I don't bore the kids with my work schedule or anything like that. This would be things like a dentist appointment that doesn't normally happen during the week or a babysitter coming or maybe some unusual changes to the school drop off and pick up and carpool schedule. So again, this is often very quick, but as our lives kind of get fuller again post pandemic, this would be where we would draw attention to anything coming up that's out of the ordinary. Okay, so we've talked about last week. We've talked about this week upcoming. Um, the next section loosely, I call it like the heading in the Word document says kid input needed. And this could be about a number of things. The first thing that's almost always on there is suggestions for dinners. So we won't make our whole meal plan during this family meeting. But if any of the kids are saying things like, oh, we haven't had chicken parmesan in a long time, and that's my favorite, this is their chance to be like, I'd really like to have this for dinner this week. I will say my kids don't suggest a lot of dinner ideas, and then they do complain about what we serve later in the week. So this is not a perfect system. But when they do complain later in the week, it gives me license to say like, hey, bring up your favorites at the family meeting and we'll get it on the meal plan. And then in addition to meals, there's usually one other thing where I'm interested in the kids input. So for example, we had my mother-in-law visiting a few weeks back. And so I might say something like, hey, granny's coming on Friday. Let's brainstorm some fun things to do while she's here. And we would just then have a brainstorming discussion uh, my kids are getting older and have a lot of opinions. And yet at the same time, I am still kind of the family cruise ship director. So this is a way to get input from everybody and then feel like I can go buy the tickets or make the plans or, you know, find the babysitter or whatever I need to do to kind of fulfill the dreams in those little hearts, so to speak. And and not everything that they throw out there is going to happen, obviously, but it's a chance for them to feel heard. And since this is kid literate and we're talking about things like screen time and reading, um, this would be a great section where as we go into summer, I might ask the kids input on some structures and routines around screen time for the summer. Our approach to screens has changed so much in the last year and a half. A lot of that due to the pandemic and especially the first like six months of pretty extreme shutdown, but also because my kids are getting older and they use screens very differently than they used to. So having a weekly family meeting and having the kids be like, you know, I think we should get an hour a day 
but no YouTube. That's not really a rule. But I'm just as an example, like we're much more fluid in our rules and expectations. And we still have quite a few of them, but they change a lot. And the kids are now really good, actually, at negotiating for what they want within within reason. So this whole category of kid input needed, I would say it's led by me and by Brian, but it's really an invitation for them to contribute their ideas. And it could be about anything. It could be like, what summer camps are you guys interested in? Or we've got, you know, so-and-so's birthday coming up. Let's brainstorm some ideas for what to do for that. So in general, it's something fun that we would like the kids input on. So from something fun, we go to something a little less fun. And the next big header I call contributions review, which is fancy word for mom has noticed that this job isn't being done very well and we'd like to review. And it's really loose. Honestly, some weeks we don't have this, um, but I, I like to keep it on the agenda because if I don't have anything that's like really at the top of mind, I might think of a skill or something we all do around the house to review with them just more as a teachable moment. So like a funny example was one time Brian noticed that nobody was putting toilet paper on the toilet paper roll dispenser thing when a roll would uh, run out. And so he like brought out a demonstration of how to do that. Or I think we field tripped to one of the bathrooms to review like when the toilet paper roll is gone, you put another one on and here's how to do it. And you're all old enough and capable enough. But it could be something like just a simple reminder about our expectations about bringing your laundry out to the laundry room when a basket is full or what our expectations are around coming in after school, dropping your backpack and cleaning out your lunchbox. Like these contribution reviews aren't necessarily about like a whole bunch of new expectations. They're more an opportunity to kind of reset or remind something that we've already established, but that maybe isn't going so well. I have even done more um, kind of abstract things in this contributions review section. Um, When we first relocated back here to Santa Barbara, we started seeing my family, my parents a lot. And I noticed that the kids kind of had checked out on their manners a little bit because they were so used to seeing their grandparents and we didn't see anybody else at the time. It was a pandemic. So we just talked a little bit about courtesy and family and how even when we're in the presence of people we see a lot, it's still polite to make eye contact and say hello and goodbye when you arrive and leave. It doesn't have to be a big deal. But so I even use this section to go over things like manners or courtesy or um, other sort of like values-based uh, things that come up in a family. So it could be, it's a really wide catch-all category. And then related to contributions and chores and jobs, I added something a few weeks ago that worked really well, and then we kind of stopped doing it. So I don't know if I'll bring this back this summer. But at the end of the meeting, like the boring part, well, the kids think it's boring, um, where we've been sitting around with a piece of paper in front of us the whole time, um, I had us doing one family job in the house where we actually got up from the table and we went and we tackled one little project. And usually it was something that's not part of our everyday or every week uh, jobs, chores, routines. Like one time it was washing the exterior windows on the front of the house, which get really dusty and dirty and had bird poop on them. But we all did it together. So it was like, okay, everybody up, we're going to go, you know, scrub this little corner. Again, I don't, I'm not always prepared enough to have something in mind, but when five people do something, it goes a lot faster and, and it actually got everybody's bodies moving and talking and laughing and it felt more fun and silly than anything else. Um, I just had to be creative about what kind of job I chose because obviously they weren't going to go for something just super boring. It had to be something quick 
and kind of satisfying and productive and maybe a little bit novel, like getting to use the Windex spray or whatever it was. And that's pretty much it for the printed agenda. You can see how uh, a lot of different things could get added to this between talking about schedules, talking about kind of um, contributions or even family values. Um, you can you can cover a lot with those with those categories. And I do try to keep the meetings to around 20 minutes. Um, so there's a lot of variation within that overall structure. Another thing that has worked really well is that Brian and I meet either right before or right after the all family meeting to talk more in detail about our schedules for the week and our meals for the week. We just realized like the kids don't need to sit around hearing us go day by day and who is on a meeting when and if there's any changes to like the school driving schedule, the kids would lose interest really quickly. So we started doing that either right before or right after. And so we do our meal plan and kind of our high level calendar for the week, which has been great for us. So that's kind of like a I don't know, an executive team meeting attached to the all team meeting, if you will. So if you've been listening to this and just thinking like my kids would never go for this, it sounds boring and procedural. I agree. Um, And I still think it's been valuable for us to do it anyway. So I have a few tips for kind of making family meetings not terrible or putting up with the eye rolling if you're getting it from your kids. And the first is obviously to keep it short. Um, I think 20 minutes is great, even shorter if you wanted to just get started. Um, I think not expecting kids to be into this is really helpful. Not taking it personally when they are dragging their feet, coming to the table um, and just doing it anyway. Like this is a thing that we do. And then tabling any longer conversation for just the adults. Or we've even pulled in um, Allegra if it's something that's, you know, she's a teenager now. So if we have some detailed scheduling stuff to go over with her, um, she obviously has a longer attention span. So we might have like we might have her stay behind. So keeping it short and tabling any longer conversations for only those who need to be there. And that's how meetings work in the in the real world as well. Another thing I think that has helped is just throughout the week, helping kids see the connection between the family meeting and then other fun stuff they want to do. So I might say throughout the week, like, oh man, you really want to like go to that, you know, outdoor playground place. Let's put that on the family meeting agenda. Like helping them see that part of the benefit of having a weekly check-in is to make sure we're making time and prioritizing the things we want to do as a family. Because, you know, it does feel like a lot of boring logistics. um, But I think over time, they do start to see like, you know, that favorite meal that they've been wanting or that place they've been wanting to check out. Or even like the kids will be like, mom, I keep reminding you to reserve that book for me at the library. And I'm like, oh, I keep forgetting. Like, Let's let's check in at the family meeting so I really get it on my to-do list. So I'm I'm trying to help them connect fun parts of life and spontaneous parts of life to this ritual of checking in with each other. And I do think over time that that has helped. One tip to make everything more fun is snacks. So we do try to serve snacks. I would say in the first like six months of doing family meetings, we were really structured about this. And I might buy a little treat at Trader Joe's or um, we were even assigning uh, one kid to be in charge of bringing snacks to the meeting, which they thought was really clever. And um, I will say we kind of forgot after a while and um, we don't always do a snack now. But again, that was a that was something to look forward to and sort of like a, a little treat to tie to the meeting when we were first getting started. Another tip is that if you're like me and you hold rather tightly to things like structure and routines and and you you rather like planning and scheduling and meetings, 
It can be hard not to kind of hold too tight to the reins during these meetings or to expect that other people are the same as you, even other adults in the house. So I would just say to take take a looser grasp on all of this and a lighter touch. Um, I have only stormed out of a family meeting once um, when no one cared what I had to say. No one was sticking to the agenda. It was not my finest moment. Um, but really like approaching this with a very light touch and knowing that even any kind of a coming together ritual weekly is is probably more productive than nothing. So it doesn't have to go exactly as you had hoped. Um, and like I said earlier, not taking it personally when the kids don't want to be there. Instead, looking for ways to keep it short and sweet and move on with your day, um, but not not feeling like you've failed or like they hate you. Um, I will say that I grew up in a family that did family meetings and I hated them and I rolled my eyes and now here I am doing them. So um, like I said, go in with a lighter touch and not take it so personally. And then one more thing that I added that has been really fun at the bottom of our agenda paper, and this just came out of having a bunch of empty space the first few times, I drew a big open box and I gave the kids a doodling prompt. So like it'll say in the above the box every week, draw a scene from your favorite movie or draw like a family of gnomes. I mean, I get really weird and silly with the drawing prompts, but first of all, they want to doodle anyway. Um, it, I think it helps them focus or at least helps them stay seated. And so then um, at the end of the meeting, there's a lot of funny doodle drawings that everybody's sharing around. So that has been helpful as well. Now, I'm sure that all sounded like a lot. So I want to repeat, not every element of the family meeting agenda happens every week. Uh, We have definitely had weeks where we've done a shorter version, like we're in the car and we think, oh gosh, we don't have time for our family meeting today. Let's just briefly review the week's schedule while we're driving in the car. Um, Or we've ended a meeting abruptly because somebody gets a phone call or a kid has a meltdown. Like this doesn't go perfectly every week. And while I've given you kind of the high level structure of our agenda, I don't think by any means that has to be yours. So just to say again, It may sound like a lot. It doesn't feel like a lot in our family. And then to tie it back to kind of this upcoming summer and how we think about media use and screen time and reading in our family, our next couple of family meetings will definitely be heavy on long-term summer planning. Uh, We are here in California. Our COVID community spread rates are super low. Vaccination is getting higher and higher. So we are anticipating uh, a much more normal summer this year. And that means that there will be quite a few changes to the family schedule, um, the chores and uh, contributions expectations, the screen time rules. So we will probably have a few weeks in a row where I'm getting input from the kids on on what they think might work. We might try something out. Um, I might unveil a plan. I was doing this a lot during the pandemic. I would unveil a plan on Sunday and be like, okay, this week you're all going to get an hour and a half of screen time, but it's going to be at the same time every day so that mom can work. And we kind of go through the nuts and bolts of that system. And then the next week we might revisit. So um, things like reading, if you do reading challenges or reading incentives or have any kind of family reading rituals that change during the summer, I think the family meeting could be another great way to touch on those. It might be really fun to have everybody share a book or an article that they read during the family meeting, um, looking back at the week past. So since this is a podcast about kids' media and books, I do think that there are some great opportunities to tie your weekly family meeting to your expectations and your opportunities around books and media. 
Okay, well, if you are new to listening to Kid Literate, first of all, this was an unusual episode because, like I said, Allegra is usually with me. Um, But this was fun, and I hope you all enjoyed it as well. And also, if you're new, you might not know that every episode ends with two segments. One is called What We're Reading, and one is called What You're Reading. So what we're reading is usually Allegra and I, and sometimes other members of our family. And then what you're reading is based on emails and voicemails that we've gotten from our listener community. So between these two segments you'll usually get, I don't know, five or 10 book recommendations um, for different ages and stages. So I'm just going to go ahead with what we're reading in our family. And I have notes from all three kids and me. So Allegra is reading the last two books in the 11 Birthdays series by Wendy Mass. So the first one is called 11 Birthdays. And then it goes like 12, 13, 14, 15. And those are the characters' ages, but they're not all called... Um, one's called like 13 wishes and, but not all the books have the number in them. So you do have to kind of look at the series. So the last two, which I believe the character is 14 and 15 are called graceful and the last present and they are by Wendy mass. And we just got hard copies of those from our local library. Reed, who is about to turn 11, like next week, um, is really into bird watching right now. So we got to go into the library for the first time in, you know, a year and a half and browse. We've been doing a lot of curbside pickup. Um, but Reed went right to the librarian and um, let her know that he's interested in bird watching. And so he checked out four birding books. Three of them are part of the Sibley series, S-I-B-L-E-Y. I will link to all these in the show notes, but he got the Sibley Field Guide to Birds of Western North America, the Sibley Guide to Bird Life and Behavior, Sibley's Birding Basics, and then the fourth one I believe is a National Geographic. It's Field Guide to the Birds of North America. So he is happy as a clam with his birding books, all from the local public library. Violet picked up a bunch of Owl Diaries books, the series by Rebecca Elliott. She has read a lot of them, but when we were at the library, she found, I think, four or five she hadn't read. She goes through them really fast now, so uh, they don't keep her they don't keep her engaged as long as they used to, but they're really fun. And then for her, I also checked out a new middle grade fiction novel called They Threw Us Away by Daniel Krauss, and it's about stuffed animals after they've been discarded. And so that is right up Violet's alley because she is such a stuffed animal fan. Um, And so I think we might try reading that together. I think it looks a little bit challenging for an independent read for her. The ages say eight to 12. And and also I think if you have a sensitive kid, the, the subject matter might be a tiny bit dark just because it is about sort of like discarded lovies. Um, but I also thought it looked really clever. So we're going to try that. That's They Threw Us Away by Daniel Krauss. And then I am reading The Addiction Inoculation by my friend and parenting writer, Jessica Leahy, who I'm just a giant fan of all of her work and excited to dive into that nonfiction memoir and also a well-researched book about young people and addiction. Um, So that's The Addiction Inoculation by Jess Leahy. Okay, and then we got an email from Katie, who is 11, and her mom, Kristen, Katie is reading the Mother Daughter Book Club series, which has seven books, and it's about four girls starting middle school whose mothers put them in a book club together. And each story is told from one of the four girls' perspectives, or maybe all four perspectives are in each book. I'm not sure. But Katie also wanted to recommend the Enola Holmes series, and it's a spinoff of the Sherlock Holmes series. It's about Sherlock Holmes' little sister. Her mother runs away and she has to solve mysteries and avoid her two older brothers. So I'm so glad you brought that up, Katie, because I got one of the Enola Holmes uh, books for Allegra on her Kindle 
And I'll have to check back with her. I think she did read it and liked it. But sometimes when we're getting books for her Kindle from the digital library, I get her a whole bunch and some of them stick and some of them don't. So I'm glad you brought that up. I'm going to ask her if she read that one because it looked really good to me. And then Katie's mom, Kristen, said that she and Katie enjoyed listening to Kid Literate together. Thank you so much. Um, she wanted to recommend The Beekeeper's Apprentice by Lori King. It's also a Sherlock Holmes spinoff that's so much fun to read and so well done. So if you're new, we link to all of these book recommendations in the show notes, which are at kidliteratepodcast.com. Okay, so before we wrap up today, this is our last episode before summer break. And just like last summer, we're going to take a bit of a hiatus because we are a family of school-aged kids with crazy summer schedules, as we've been discussing. Um, But I'm kind of hoping we'll pop back in with an episode or two over the summer, maybe in a little different format than we usually do. So definitely subscribe, um, keep notifications on, and you'll get notified when a new episode drops. And then, of course, you can always hear me over at The Mom Hour. That show never takes a hiatus. Um, and you can follow The Mom Hour on Instagram. You can follow Kid Literate Podcast on Instagram. And you can follow me personally at Powers of Mine. And I'll link up all three of those Instagram accounts in the show notes. And between the three of those, you'll be able to stay connected to what our family is up to this summer, as well as Megan and me over at The Mom Hour. Well, thanks so much for listening today, everyone. My co-host, as I said, is off in the mountains, but will be back with us at some point. And happy summer. Kid Literate is a production of Life Listened. Our sound engineer is Brian Thomas from Yokai Audio. You can find links to everything we mentioned at kidliteratepodcast.com. And be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show wherever you listen. Thanks. Thanks.